Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. I'm so glad you're listening to episode 249 of the Wayne's Comics podcast. Thanks so much. This week, you're going to enjoy a great conversation I had with Sebastian A. Jones, the founder of Stranger Comics and one of the driving creative forces behind Niobe, Dusu, and several other books that their company's doing. And I like to think that they put the diverse in diversity, which if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know I'm big on that kind of storytelling. We talk about how the books came to be and what kind of things he has in mind for the future, as well as diversity in comics, including building a universe around a strong female character. Another thing I'm sure you know I'm very excited about. He talks about how we can access his books and ways that we might be able to find his work in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to, especially this week. So let's get to it. It's great to welcome to the podcast Sebastian Jones, creator of many great books, including Niobe and Dusu, and founder of a comic company called Stranger Comics. And one of the things I love, Sebastian, is that you call fans of Stranger Comics, you're a stranger, which is a taking, <laughs> taking the whole thing around and making it something different, which I love. I always love when words get turned around like that. So how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, just been uh, kind of, I guess, gearing up. For New York Comic Con, we just shipped our uh, pallet off to New York and praying to the truck gods that you know our stuff will make it, and then uh, and then we'll be it will be in New York going crazy out there for a week. Very good, very good. I'll, I'll probably see you out there because I just found out recently I'm going too. Oh, cool, so, awesome! Yes, go by. I'll pick up Absolutely. some more. I'll pick up more stuff because I saw you yeah. last at Baltimore. You were out in Baltimore. Of course, you're out in L.A. You're doing a lot of traveling these these days. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been hardcore. We did a 
We, yeah, we did um, Baltimore, then we did Rose City in Oregon, which was a great, great convention. Um, all the kind of Pacific Northwest conventions are just, uh, they're fantastic. Uh, Emerald City. Um, and then we went, we did Long Beach back in LA. Yep, New York. Then we'll do uh, Kamikaze. We'll be there for, for the LA folks that missed us at Long Beach. And then we'll be um, back out in Eugene, Oregon, more than likely for a, one of the, the, the smaller conventions up there. But it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful up there. And uh, any chance I can get to get to, uh, to Oregon, it's a, it's a good thing. Okay, great, great. The, see, the one thing that I'm really interested in, and I was talking a little bit before we started recording about the fact that I'm, I'm a big believer in diversity in comics. Sure. And when I read your books, I get that it, it fills a part of me that it's a need that I have to understand more than just my own surroundings. You know, sure. There are stories that you're telling that, honestly, living in Florida, I probably am not going to run into or understand much about. And so when I got the chance to read Niobe and review the second issue for Major Spoilers, I, I came away with this real sense of understanding and knowing and the, the, just the beginnings of understanding the culture and things yeah. that Niobe's in. Do you want to describe what the Niobe series is about? Because this is all going to tie in apparently at some point. So what's Niobe sure. about? Niobe, the, the comic itself, the comic series is really kind of a, I guess – a Beauty and the Beast love story threaded with a murder mystery um, about a young teenage elven girl who is actually mixed and half black and um, but very culturally rooted about finding her faith and finding her spirit amongst her ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she'll find even even there, there are, there are certain challenges that she's going to have to overcome. And kind of, you know, where we're heading with the series is she's going to essentially have to unite her people, unite the girls in the tribe that we haven't quite seen yet. Um, there's going to be a nice reveal in issue four um, against kind of an overall threat. And um, there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of, I guess, you know, what we really try to do is really kind of have it grounded, grounded in culture, grounded in mythos, grounded also in uh, what young folks um, of color, young folks in general, young females, um, you know, go through. I'm a big, big believer that, you know, being having cultural representation in comics is extremely important, as well as working with creators of color to tell those tales. Look, I'm, I'm mixed, but I'm not a young teenage girl. And so, uh, when I, you know, that's why I really wanted to work with um, somebody of that age and, and could, could shed light on, you know, and, and, and have a voice, you know, that will, will speak to a, a generation that, that I can't necessarily uh, speak to. So, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I'd met with actually quite a few teenage girls and, you know, and it was like, uh, uh, just n- never really clicked until I met Amanda Stenberg and, you know, the young social voice of our generation and obviously actress from the Hunger Games who played Rue and it was like um, lightning in a bottle um, so we, we, we clicked on so many levels and and um, Niobe herself is a character that has been in my heart and soul for 25 years along with the, the world that I've been building you know it's a beautiful thing we see rising tide raise all ships and more and more folks are, are coming out and more and more things are being inclusionary and represented and diverse whatever kind of term that you know feels right but but i do get a, a little nervous 
because suddenly it feels in some areas that it's like, oh, well, it's the it's the hip thing to, to suddenly jump, you know, jump on. Mm-hmm. And unless the care and attention is really being focused on um, making it a reality and not some cosmetic hip, it must be Black History Month kind of kind of thing. It feels it feels a little pandery, which is also dangerous in you know, such a such a climate. So, you know, uh, we're kind of kind of honored to really work with Amanda, work with um, Ashley A. Woods, who's doing the artwork, um, you know, on Niobe. And then um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, Dusu is has strong tie ins to Niobe. That's that's Niobe's tribe. That she'll eventually meet, you know. So all, all, all kind of like world building stuff in a very rooted, organic way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she's also involved with the Untamed. I understand yeah. as well. So she's kind of—is she basically like the the place that all your comics are kind of rotating around? Is she kind of the focal point of your stories? For lack of a better term, I guess she's the the Luke Skywalker of our franchise. Mm-hmm. She is, you know, you know, Superman. She is Spider Man. She is Harry Potter. She, you know, she is Frodo Baggins, mm-hmm. um, and she is not the love interest, and she is not the safe love interest. You know, she has dreadlock. She has reasons why she has dreadlock. She has elven ears. She's breaking, shattering stereotypes of what we have seen as, um, I guess, standards of beauty and standards of what a, I guess, the savior, the messiah character of your franchise should be. And, and, and for it to be also, yeah, the, you know, like I, I want kids to be, you know, they're like, Hey, I want to be Spider-Man to go, Hey, I want to be Niobe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's very important. So yeah, her character was first introduced in the untamed. So I wrote the untamed graphic novel and had worked with amazing creator Peter Bergting and Daryl May. Uh, Daryl also does the layouts for Niobe. And Peter had done covers for like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter over in Sweden. He does Baltimore with Mike Mignola. He's, you know, he's a pretty big deal and his, his fantasy aesthetic is, is stunning. But we spent nearly 10 years painting the book. Wow. And, you know, it's really this this story of a man's kind of quest for vengeance and in the end finds we hope redemption mm-hmm. um, and she becomes this man's kind of conscience and then it becomes this kind of bait and switch we don't we're following him the who we feel obviously is a hero and he is the big reveal is it's actually the his uh, the little girl that becomes his kind of daughter figure and he her father figure he teaches her how to kill and she teaches him humanity and the further they they go along the closer that they realize how much they actually have in common and there's there's so much backstory to Niobe and who she really is and where she's really from and where she's really going that it's folks that'll buy the untamed graphic novel or the new untamed comic which actually people can pre-order now it's called the untamed killing floor mm-hmm. that I wrote and I had uh, Peter Bergting and Darrow May again the same untamed team and lucky enough to have Jay Lee doing ridiculous variant covers <laughs> But yeah, if you want to learn more about Niobe's world, the prequel to where she, before she got to Niobe, she is life, pick up the Untamed. You'll be, you'll be happy. Okay, so that's the sequence you should read them in. Number one should be the Untamed, and then get into 
Niobe and is Dusu after that, and then the new Untamed? Yeah. Is that the sequence? Yeah, no, the sequence, so the sequence generally is, and then we're going to hit kind of like a plateau in timeline so people don't get too confused. <laughs> but one thing for it as an independent publisher, you know, I've been asked this question since I've been doing this now, which is, uh, is this really going to go anywhere? And so by giving a taste of a few different timelines, you really kind of, I wanted to kind of show that there is progression, there is a bigger world than just what you see. So the, the sequence is, if you want to really read it in order, although you can just pick up any of these series and it's a complete story in itself, you don't really need the others, but it, it's, you know, it's like that traditional Marvel. You, you want to read the Untamed, the Sinner's Prayer graphic novel first. Mm-hmm. Then you want to read if you can, when it comes out in November, you can pre-order it now, The Untamed Killing Floor. Mm-hmm. Then you would read Niobe Shear's Life. Mm-hmm. And then you would read Erethun, mm-hmm. uh, which issue two just dropped. And I had Jamaican artist Sheldon Mitchell from Top Cow um, do the illustrations. He's ridiculously amazing. Mm-hmm. And I wrote wrote that also with Daryl Mace. You, you, see, you see a lot of the same folks. Dusu Path of the Ancient happens during the same time frame as um, the Untamed. Oh, okay, very good. So, at least, and, and of course, you've got ongoing stuff going on now. You've got the Untamed is going to continue on. Is that a mini series yes. or is that an ongoing? How's that going to work? Yeah, so so basically, the Untamed, uh, a sinner's prayer, the graphic novel's done. That's a seven issue mini series, mm-hmm. seven days for seven souls, seven issues. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Untamed Killing Floor uh, is four issues. Um, we're debating with the push it to five to give it a bit, bit of breathing, but it, it's looking it's looking amazing. Uh, first issues in the can. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and the uh, Niobe Shears Life, we will be doing a series of miniseries. One, so this is Niobe Shears Life. Mm-hmm. Then we will do Niobe Shears Death. Mm. Then we will do Niobe Shears Spirit. Mm. And then we will do Niobe Shears God. Mm. There's a lot of very uh, powerful imagery that and a lot of big reveals for the Niobe fans that are actually not going to see it coming at all. Mm. Wow. Should knock their socks off. Great, great. Sounds all great. Now, Thank you, you. you've mentioned the things about the art, and I do want to talk about the artwork because I think it, it you know, the, the stories are well written and the art, there's a lot of times I've noticed, like in your scripts, that you let the artist tell the story rather than you know a lot of comics will say meanwhile back at so-and-so you know she reaches decides she's got to go and kick somebody kind of stuff (laughs) you don't do that you let the artist a lot of the time tell the story which you know it's great powerful art kind of a painted feel a lot of the times to it and you do feel transported there you know when you're in the middle of reading it and things like that and i'm just there's so much about the art that i really enjoy and those are the kinds of things that jump out at me Mm. When you guys got together, and, and basically now that you're probably a well-oiled machine by the time these issues are now coming out, is there a, a purpose? And you know, what what kind of things do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to use the art to tell the story as much as you can? Do you want to have this kind of this painted feel that kind of makes us get in there? It's almost like an Alex Ross kind of a setup. And, That's a huge, huge compliment. Oh, it's um, wonderful stuff. It's just, it, I, literally every time I read these things, I'm just like, wow. Now, the fact that it's painted doesn't take away from it. It's still a lot of action happening, and I feel the motion and moving in it. Because a lot of times paintings will have this static feel to it. Right. But your, your stuff doesn't have that. And I'm just kind of curious, as you know, because as, as, as great as the scripting is, the artwork, I think, even makes it a little stronger because of, you know the times, and they always say sure. that a good writer knows when to shut up and let the artist <laughs> do this stuff. Right. <laughs> 
and I noticed you do that a lot. And so I was, I was just kind of curious is, you know, obviously you guys bring all these things together is, do you, when, when you put together, do you write a script? Do you give it to the artist? How does that work? Do you work on the stories together? How does that happen? Yeah, the, we, you know, when I'm a big believer in, you know, each, each project, each book should have its own sense of self and sense of dignity. Um, I am, you know, probably my biggest influences or inspirations is Kurosawa and uh, Sergio Leone. Um, musically, it's like Coltrane, and uh, he always said, you know, playing the saxophone because words would get in the way. And I always thought that was so elo- eloquent. Mm-hmm. And as, lo- as much as I love to hear the sound of my own voice, it really is finding those moments where quietness, te- you know, allows the reader to listen. And I'm an, a- an actor now and again, and coaches have always said the best actors are the ones that listen. So if I'm too busy yapping, 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 and I can't hear, the other person's voice or the sound or the the, the smell, the sense of, you know, atmosphere and so on, then neither will a a reader. So to answer your question, the process is I write a script and I've become even more loose with my writing in the sense that initially I would be pretty detailed Um, and I would have little thumbs and I have, sometimes I still thumb certain scenes, I have strong images that I want to see and I'll thumb stuff down. But uh, I work very closely with Daryl May, he's our chief creative, he's been with me since the beginning. And he lays out every single book that we've ever done, every kid's book, and every comic. And so we have this process back and forth and back and forth, where he will lay stuff out, it'll be really rough to start with. I go in, I make changes, we correlate it to the script, we go back and forth, back and forth until we're really happy. And then we send it off to, and then we also go that with our editor, Joshua Cozine, to make sure everything kind of fits on the right panels. And it has that sense of pacing, that sense of stillness and quiet and calm before the storm and so on. Before we send it off to Ashley or Peter or Sheldon or Corey or Hyung, Jay, Lee, whoever we're working with now, and then let them, you know, unless I've got some real specifics with Daryl on the panels, let them also breathe their own reality into it, that maybe there'll be a a tug or a pull or a, the camera's, I thought about it should be better low down to the ground and we look up and maybe Ashley said, no, you know what, I think this is better here. And more often than not, she she proves herself right and it also lends uh, herself an opportunity to not only make it beautiful and not stress the kind of the what is in my head mm-hmm. but accentuating it and giving it a new life and another pass and a, and a fresh perspective so by the time it's gone through and I write everything as a film script mm-hmm. so as soon as it's gone through the film script draft and Daryl has done his rough layouts and then he's done his polished layouts then our artist does their line art and then they do their coloring it's a pretty great system and it alleviates a lot of er- you know errors mm-hmm. and it allows me as a writer and daryl as a creator and the other you know creatives whatever but it, it certainly allows me the overall kind of flexibility um or parameter i should say within the framework of the world and 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 daryl as well because if we know what's going to happen in issue four 
on a book that hasn't come out yet, but we're currently setting it up on issue four of Niobe mm-hmm. and no one else knows. It's kind of that, it's like taking an approach to writing a novel. Mm-hmm. Everything is mapped out. So mm-hmm. when people start picking up future books that we have, they'll go, oh my God. And they'll want to reread Niobe Shear's life to go, oh my goodness, I didn't see that. Hmm. Very cool. Now, of course, I've got to ask you, the, the universe that Niobe and all these things live in, is this, hmm. is this our world? Is this a different world? Because, you know, it's, it's a little tough for me to figure out. You know, I, I don't mind plunging into it. I'm just I'm glad to get into it and I get lost in the sure. story. But every once in a while sure. I wonder, is this our world? Is this, is this its own universe? What's the setting yeah. for all these? Yeah, it's, it's its own fantasy universe. It's a very multicultural fantasy universe. So it's, you know, you can think of your, I guess, classic Game of Thrones or Middle Earth, you know, Lord of the Rings, which is kind of what I grew up on, World of Warcraft, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it is a fantasy universe. I think the differences where people, especially want folks that have picked up The Untamed and maybe just Niobe, is the introduction is very low-brow fantasy, as in it's not got... Lots of wizards casting fireball spells and those types of things. So, and the, the mood and atmosphere of the first books that we're putting out is very small, very one horse town, very, oh, it could have been said in the medieval at times, or, oh, that kind of looks like West Africa, maybe, or some kind of our world's mythology and so on. But the reason being is I want to get people invested in the character, the character, the character, Mm -hmm. and then all these subtle uh, flourishes with spells or runes or elves or orcs or whatever, they become almost like um, you accept it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you watch Star Wars, you're so, you're thrown into the the thing and then, oh, I guess guess I'm in a science fiction universe and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's secondary of secondary importance to me primary importance is the is the character and somebody having an emotional connectivity but the the good stuff is we've spent 25 years creating the world so that's why there's a richness to it so it feels uh, tangible i guess mm-hmm. now of course you live right into my next question which was to develop a whole universe around a female character which yeah. is uncomic is almost unheard of you know, most comics said like like DC's built around Superman, and and uh, sure. the Marvel was built around the Fantastic Four. There was a woman in there, but she had bad hair days and all that stuff. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really something that you can. Be. Niobe, as you've already talked a little bit about, is a very different character. Did you want that to happen? Because you know, there, there's always a lot of discussion about whether cultures were based about around the, the man who went out hunting or the woman who managed the house while he was sure. out having fun. What were you trying to do with Niobe as far as like talking about woman characters and maybe like a woman's place in the comics even? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it comes back to my childhood, honestly, when I would read read comics and I would read uh, Lord of the Rings, I'd read The Hobbit. And it always kind of astounded me that I guess I was a bit of a romantic at heart and it always astounded me that the female leads were extremely rare and if they happened it felt almost like they had a moment and then it was back to being in their place and then on top of that you know people of color the brown folks you know in lord of the rings they were the always the baddies and in comics at times it felt a little exploitation uh riffing and it just didn't feel 
honest, you know, rooted. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very conscious decision, uh, honestly. It always has been for Niobe to be to be our hero. I mean, I guess I romanticized about the character as a little boy. Mm. You know, uh, what you know as a teenager, like what you know, what's my I guess what's the ideal girl who is also flawed, and that's the beauty of bringing Amanda on board is after the untamed is is allowing Niobe to also make mistakes you know she's a kid she's a teenager she's going to make mistakes um and say dumb things here and there and say you know and then have you know into you know have you know relationship struggles with the, the goddess of healing and light who she talks to so kind of like a, a surrogate mother mm -hmm. um like yes yeah, that's, that's um problems you know problems with the folks you know like every teenager mm -hmm. um but it's so so there so it's this it's this um i guess this fine dance of having a superficial character you know not superficial but a fan fictional fantastical character um that folks are going to want to be and see themselves as um and making that character also have relatable problems Mm -hmm. um, and also putting her in scenarios which aren't entirely, un, you know, not uh, entirely like not relatable to the problems that many girls or folks of color uh, face today. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, you know, it, it's not un, it's not entirely uncommon for me to be at a booth and have uh, folks coming up to pick up Niobe and some actually scream, hug me, jump up and down. <laughs> Uh, some folks literally burst into tears. Um, it's because I think, and this isn't, you know, like, oh, look at me kind of, you know, to be obtuse, but I think at times where you see sometimes other characters of color, you've got to, sometimes you got to go like, okay, um, is this, how long is this character going to be around? And what, what, what are the real reasons? And what are, are they, you know, do they, is it, or, you know, like, oh, sh quick, we need to, we need to get, <laughs> we quickly need to get a black girl out in comics because it's kind of hot right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when I speak to certain store owners, and I met one at Long Beach Comic Con from England, and she said, we, we, we sold out of Niobe nonstop because, and, and she said, so many were readers who had never bought a comic in their life before. Hmm. Wow. Wow, that's really something. Because you realize, of course, that the, the, the notion of having female leads who are strong has only been like in the last couple of years. Yeah. If you were doing this like 25 years ago, you were way ahead of your time as far as setting this whole kind of thing up. Which, you know, I, but I think the industry is more than ready for that. As much yes, as they I, are. I think the, the diversity we're more than ready for because I want to know things about things I don't know. I don't necessarily need to know. You know, right. I don't. I, I don't want to keep exploring the same things. I mean, so many comics take place in New York City, and while that's a very yep. diverse area, the truth yep. of it is, there's a lot of stories that don't fall into New York City. Right. Um, so when I read, like when I'm reading your books, I was transported to this place I'd never been before, and I always loved that. And that's great. So Thank for, you. for me, I just kind of thought that, and this is why I think that it's important to get the word out about your books, is because. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way, that, you know, the, the Long Johns are, are wonderful comics. I buy lots of them, and I read lots of them. But sure. I want to have variety, and your books really scratch that itch really tremendously for me. 
Thank you. And I love that. I, I love the fact that it's a little more tribal in nature a lot of the times. What that does to me is it makes it that I don't know what you're going to do next because I'm not all that familiar with tribal cultures right. and how they function. So when you're sure. doing stuff, I'm, I'm not, not only am I going through the story, I'm learning some of these things. And that's the thing I think about your books that just, you know, that made Niobe just leap at me. And I just, I was so glad to read it. And then you know, the other books that I've read of yours, and there's still, still more I want to get to. And the whole thing to me is, is that comics can take us places that other mediums have a lot of difficulty doing. Because, you know, you and your artists can sit down and come up with a story that moves us there. You know, if we try to make a television show out of this, which, by the way, I think all these would make great TV shows. I, I, you know, you talk about doing a TV script. I, that was I'm going like, yeah, good. Maybe this will end up in television. These scenes could. Yeah, that's really that's the goal. Yeah, there's a, we're we're having a chat with a couple of folks right now, oh. so fingers crossed. <laughs> good for you, because I I would love to see these kinds of things. I, but but I have to ask you, of course. You know, I I sure. don't. I'm probably not in the majority as far as these things. So, you know, I have trouble when they take, you know, Miles Morales, who's half Hispanic and half black, and put, make him Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, like, there's a, a, a series of books, uh, I think it's Eric Seaton, his name is, who does Legend of the Montamaji, which I really love. And I always like to talk about that series because it was a totally set up in, it's, it's in a modern culture, but the whole universe that was set up, even though there's there's superheroes and they basically have costumes and all kinds of things like that, it was based on a very different culture and how that the, the heroes function within that culture. It was like four trade paperbacks, which I really love. They made a little movie out of it. And I just... You know, I came away from that really going, this is what you can do. You don't have to take a person of color and stuff them in a, an existing uniform. Right. You can you can tell stories in their own circumstances that really Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you on that. I thought there was some part of me, I guess, that was kind of tickled that a lot of folks were freaking out that their beloved Spider-Man was suddenly brown and they get to experience what brown people have been experiencing for a long time <laughs> um you know but um and i think everybody kind of has their own personal relationship with certain heroes as well like spider-man is a big deal but Sp- you know for a lot of people like they grew up with that that is their that's their their epic hero is since they were a kid mm-hmm. so there, there's always going to be kind of like those visceral visceral reactions mm-hmm. for yeah for me it didn't it it actually didn't bug me so much because uh, it was nice to finally see the face of a franchise be someone brown and for folks to kind of get over it in a broader sense of the, the term. Mm-hmm. But I but I do very much agree with this whole concept of trying to appease by taking pre-existing characters and, and force feeding. And it, it feels very pandering and mm-hmm. the, fan, the fans are very generally wise to that. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you can't create something new and special and powerful and beautiful and tragic and you know and all the rest of it mm-hmm. and i think but 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 in doing that i mean you've got to think like some of these you know big corporations they've got their uh, formulas mm-hmm. and they've got their balance sheets mm-hmm. and so when you're creating a new character and then how much research development goes into it mm-hmm. how much time has spent developing the character is it going to be a hit is it going to be a miss how much do they then, and then if that's the case, how much do they really care? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really care about creating something that's new? I mean, how many times are we going to see a new invention of a character just because it's got a costume change? I mean, it gets a bit, 
-hmm. Like honestly, um, you know, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk is my all-time favorite mm -hmm. character. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they started coming out with the Red Hulk and the Hulk kids mm -hmm. and the Hulk this and the Hulk that, I was like, I'm I'm completely over it. It just does nothing for me. I you know do something original and beautiful and new. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so so that's that's also honestly again worked I guess to our advantage with people freaking out when they come across Dusu and Niobe and also for folks that want to experience a bigger world. Erethun is actually set in Hurtafang, which is our Scandinavian region. Mm -hmm. So you can see that, you know, because there's that, they, you know, a lot of times too, like, so when you have white folks coming to the convention mm -hmm. table and then it's like, okay, so, so what, this is all set in only in these areas? Like, no, it's a, there's a big world. I just want to introduce you to my world in areas that are not often served, I should say, not never, very rarely served and from an organic you know, reality, but focus on the story as well. well. See, I was just thinking as you were saying that a good story is a good story, and mm -hmm. good characters are good characters. You know, the the setting is it's important on, because it influences the characters and the story in some degree. But the truth of the matter is, like with what you're doing, you bring these characters, you breathe them to life, you make these stories happen, and we care about what's going on. And these kind of things. And, you know, you don't have to have New York City in order to do that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing you said earlier, which I, before I spaced this, you said it's you kind of, you know, we talked about the writing style. Mm -hmm. There's a, um, a reviewer who I love, who's fantastic. You know, she's very supportive. And she said, you know, one thing about my writing is it's very frustrating because she wants to know everything right away and uh, and then get to know Okay, great. Now we're on for the journey. And I and I think the drawback to, I guess, you know, the critics of the writing and the style is the fact I'm not giving you anything. You've got to read it to find out. Mm -hmm. And that's going to lose a lot of people. But for the ones that stick along for the ride, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, I, I wanted to like make sure I remember to, to mention that point. I'll tell you a quick story about James Tyne on the 4th I got to interview him. He was doing a weekly comic called Batman and Robin Eternal. And wow. in like the 26th issue out of like a year or thereabouts, he finally revealed who the big bad was. And mm. all these people online were going like, why did he wait so long? Why didn't he tell us right away who it was? And, you know, his reaction is just like yours. He started to laugh. And I said, you know, that was my reaction. You're not going to do that. You're not going to tell the whole story in the first issue. Why bother to come back and do the rest? And right. he said there were lots of stories that were going on. Not It wasn't only who was behind all this. There were other stories to tell that all this stuff came together into that. And it's yeah. like with your book, you've got your universe, and you're telling all these stories. They're all tied together. And if you read them, you're going to get the whole story of it, not right. just bits and pieces. As good as the bits and pieces are, you know, you've got good stories going on in all the different books. And yet you're going to understand the universe a lot more. And honestly, universe building is something that we could use a lot more of in comics, I kind of feel. So you're doing a job I wish that more book companies would do. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time, I guess, playing too much Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to flesh out a, a fantasy world and live action role playing. I mean, I've been doing playing fantasy games, running around in my mom's bathroom when I was 12 years old, wielding a, a latex rubber sword, doing laughing when I was a kid in England. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you, I look back now going, wow, that's, 
that's the foundation for the world of asunder is <laughs> is that stuff. But it's fun. It's it's. But one thing I you you got to be careful too when you're world building. I don't want a fan to read Niobe and go, oh snap! I have to get everything else just to understand Niobe. Mm. My hope is you you know because that that was back when I was a much bigger collector. At times I felt like, oh, okay, I'm kind of a little lost. I know unless I get the entire crossover, mm. I don't want to feel, I feel it's a huge responsibility to, you know, to, to, when someone comes to my booth or goes into a comic shop and they've got 10 bucks in their pocket and they already know they're going to buy Spider-Man mm. and they go, you know what, I'm going to forgo that. Mm. And they're going to spend that $4 on one of my titles. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big deal to me. I feel really responsible because it's times are really, really tough and four bucks is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I want somebody to read Niobe and get fully satisfied. But if they want to learn more of the world, they can. But it's not going to impact completely their enjoyment from a from the simple through line of what the Niobe Shears like story is about, or the Untamed, and so on. Because boy, certain company titles came right to, to mind when you start talking <laughs> about that, and I won't name them here. But the people know that you've got to buy all these different crossovers just to make sense out of the story. And right. I think your stories make me want to know more. Is the that's the way to really do it? Is to tell good stories, but we'll understand that there's other things that are happening that we want to understand more about and to do that we get the other books so we get a sure. good story but we even get a, a larger good story if we do these other things and I, I I would like to see other companies do that honestly but we won't talk, <laughs> about, we won't talk about that but let me ask you a question because I'm just curious sure. about Stranger Comics I understand you're the founder of, of this company yeah how, how, what brought you to, to make your own comic company Oh boy. Um, well, I, I used to run a record label, I guess for about a decade and I'd put out historical jazz and blues, old soul, funk, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was really enamored with writing the liner notes and, uh, um, doing the research while I was playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and acting crazy. Um, but I always had this, I, you know, this idea, I wanted to write a, write a screenplay. I was a huge, you know, cinema fan, you know, and um, as well as, you know, comic reader and book reader and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I wrote this monstrous script and it was 300 pages and a producer read it and said, you know, you're actually pretty good at writing, but no one will ever produce this. This is completely unproducible. Go back to drawing boards. Mm-hmm. And then literally I started rocking my newborn to sleep. And in 10 minutes I was writing, I'm a, um, I'm a bad man, I have seven days to reap seven souls, mm. uh, I will make a deal with the devil to get my family, blah, 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 and so on. Mm. And what I was doing is I guess I was painting my own kind of, um, my own inner turmoil mm-hmm. under the, you know, under the hooded robe of this hero within this world I'd spent at that point, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, well over a decade, nearly two decades creating. Mm-hmm. And, and then being in, being so grown up on all those old samurai kurosawa movies spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. everything was set in a one-horse town and i took a step back after a while and was like wow this is this is a kind of a cool idea for a comic and a great idea for a tv show or a film it's producible it's contained what a great way to introduce a whole world not from let's go and save the princess or pop the ring in the you know in the lava but let's just introduce the world you know in a badass vengeance to redemption story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so folk fans who what read or watch 
will have this familiar theme. Men can read it and relate because men always want a second chance to be a better father or husband or just be a better man. Women will want the man to be better. And uh, and then women will also have the ultimate win and girls will have the ultimate win where they go, oh my God, wait a minute, Niobe is the one that's actually the, the face of the franchise. So so these wonderful opportunities for that. So I shot, shot the idea around to a, a few comic companies um, and I won't name any names, but um, and then I started my own company. <laughs> I, so I started my company to, I guess, protect the vision of um, the Untamed and the character Niobe and felt like, and the, and the hero in the story is the stranger, kind of like the old the Shiramafuni type character, the stranger, the man with no name and so on. And then I was like, wait, you know, Stranger Comics. Wow, I wonder if that, surely that's been taken. Mm. And, you know, comics being from the, you know, olden days, Strange Tales, Stranger Tales, right. you know. Right. And I was like, wow, we, we trademarked it. We, you know, got the dot com for it. And there we there we had it. It was kind of, I guess, you know, you, de- you, you don't want to be too kind of cheeseball, but I guess it was kind of destiny. Wow, cool. <laughs> But your timing couldn't be better, I think, because I think the industry now is ready for the kind of books that you're doing, you know, the kind of stories you're telling. I, I think there's a hunger out there for it. I know when I saw it, I was just so enamored. with. I had to read it once I saw what the, the Niobe number two was. And, I, of course, went right back and got number one. Grateful, sure. grateful it was out on Comixology so I could get a hold of it and be able to read it. That's the great thing about digitals is if you yeah. miss something, you can actually get it in, in a digital thing so you can read your paper. Sure. Stuff like that, which is great. Now, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so all this stuff is good. I think, you know, you're doing the smart things, I think, by putting it out on digital as well as having paper copies at conventions and stuff. I think stores would be wise to, you know, to if they know their customers well, they can know who would want the, the books that you I, make. I tell you, Wayne, it's, it's, it's a really good point because um, I know some stores literally tell me they put it next to Black Panther, they put it next to X-Men. They'll, or some just say we put it at the front and we sell out. We can't keep them in stock. Mm-hmm. If a girl walks in, we pitch in. If anyone walks in, they say we pitch in Naomi. But a girl, and I experienced at this conventions, a girl has an immediate visceral connection, mm-hmm. and they've seen Storm. They've seen they've seen what they've seen before. Mm-hmm. And if someone of color walks in, there's an immediate visceral reaction. If mm-hmm. someone who is a, a black girl walks in, then double that, triple that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy, easy, easy to sell, and it's and the reaction has always been so wonderfully well received. Thank goodness, um, we're really connecting. Um, so some stores sell them in the hundreds. It's really, and some stores literally say to me, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to order it. I only had one. You're not going. I'll order one or two copies because one or two people ordered it, but that's it." And I'm like, "But it's, it's the easiest book for you to sell. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, there's you're hitting an underserved market." Mm-hmm. Um, I met one store owner, it's a big, big shop, and he said, um, when I walked into his store in, um, in the, out in the Northwest and said, uh, hey, you know, here's Naomi and so on, you might want to check it out. And he said, oh my God, I wish I had this yesterday because um, that guy walked into the store with his daughter and said, do you have anything that represents my daughter and don't tell me store? Mm. And the store owner said uh, he didn't know what to say and... You know, and uh, and that was that. He goes, you know, and I, I you know, obviously now there's Moon Girl, there's a couple of other bits and bobs, mm-hmm. um, but a time, but you know, that's he said, I that there that was. He goes, I wonder how, and and I don't think it registers for a lot of folks, as many folks, but 
he said, I'd never thought of it before. And for me, it's kind of astounding how you know, you'd never thought of it before. So there are still some stores that will not pick up my books, and that's fine. And, that's fine. and there are some stores that are unbelievably supportive and understand that they will make really good money and they will make a lot of people very happy. And, 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 the, and just because it's the face of the franchise, it doesn't mean it's alienating. I mean, the stranger in The Untamed is mixed like me. I mean, in the Erethun, it's, apart from Niobe, it's set in Scandinavian region. It's, they're all European looking. So it's, there's nothing there to purposely go out of our way to alienate or feel like people are, are not going to be culturally represented across the board across the board now daryl my cco and layout artist and concept designer and so on he um he is uh, has an anthropology degree so we really make sure on top of the gods the dragons the mythos and so on the easy stuff we have real checks and balances mm-hmm. wow that's really good you remind me of something that happened in a comic store where I was it was a, a, a younger black girl came in and she was writing a story or like a thesis on girl women of color who were heroes in comics mm. and you know we sat there and there was a whole bunch of us there and we struggled you know once you get yeah. past storm you know maybe photon then you struggle after that yeah photon miss marvel yeah yeah those yeah because yeah. mm-hmm. she's only recently uh, become a girl mm-hmm. caller, but we sat there for the longest time struggling. And there's a couple, you know, they don't leave me jump to mind right now. But there, w- she went out with about four names, four or five names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a few spring to mind, but you know, but it's not. I mean, when you when you're struggling to get past the amount that you can count on one hand, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then you go, okay, not just black folk, but Asians, Asian girls, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, like you you boy. You know, back when I first had the Untamed, I was literally told, and you know, I'm sure it wouldn't have happened, but I was literally told by the odd person who was in the entertainment industry, if you make Niobe a white boy, I'll produce your stuff. And this is 10 years ago, and then you, you know, you understand how some creators go, well, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, or I've got rent to pay, or I'll never make it, or whatever. I'll just, I'll just have to do it. And um, I start. To my guns, mm-hmm. but it costs. You know, it's not like Dusu. Dusu part of the ancient. There are people that read that and they go, yeah, they think that's our best, best written title. Hmm. But I haven't had one mainstream reviewer give me a review on it. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, I'll have to write and a review you- then. Is what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> That'd be great. I won't put that in there because uh, you've got three books of, of Dusu out, right? Four. We have four. four. Okay, the four fourth books. one. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. See, I've got to catch up. I've only gotten number one. I, I was a little low on dough in Baltimore, and I only got number one. Now I got to. When we get to New York, we'll have to buy some more of those. Catch up I'll on be, these good things. Thank you. <laughs> I'll make sure. And your stuff comes highly recommended. Honestly, I've read whatever I've read of your stuff has always been thoughtful. It's always been. Uh, it hasn't been slow. It's been engaging. The characters are interesting, and regardless of skin color stuff, you can relate to them. It's all right. something that people can understand and do. And so to me, I think that 
Your stuff, I think, you couldn't have timed this better if you tried than to do it right now because this, I think, is a time when comics are looking to expand, looking to grow, and there's yeah. more women coming to comic stores now than ever before, and now we're yeah. seeing people of color in, in comic stores more than ever before. And, you know, honestly, on this podcast, I was glad to get to talk with you because I always tell the joke that I could talk to uh, uh, white guys any day of the week on, on this podcast. <laughs> I'm always happy to talk to folks for a little more diversity in, in the story. It's not that I don't like talking to white guys. I do, and a lot of them are great, very creative and wonderful stuff. But it's nice to be able to inject a little bit of something different and expose people to something that they may not readily you know, uh, come across. And so that's why I, I really wanted to talk with you because I thought the books you're doing and the stories you're telling are ones I think more people should hear. And I, I hope this, this just continues to blossom for you. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that because we really – I tell you, it's not – it's uh, not for the faint of heart. It's uh, very, very expensive for an independent just to keep the lights on. And we really, we really try our best to make the, the projects as engaging as possible. I mean, we, we live in a day and age where folks are, you know, they can spend their time on Snapchat doing a new filter. They can play a Facebook ad game. They could, you know, go to the movies. They could download this. There's so many things they can do. And, uh, you know, and then, in, and because I think folks are spoiled with the top ten, especially you know the top five or six publishers, with the level of quality and the backing. I mean, there's the big thing for us is I think there's a sense of for our fans. Well, if if Seb can do it and the guys at Stranger can do it, then I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's great. Black Panther, you know, leapt out to these record-breaking numbers and so on. But um, as well, he should. He's got a billion dollar corporation behind him Mm -hmm. you know and um you know i i really i'm very very consider myself very honored to be in a position where i have an opportunity to to speak to all folks from all walks of life you know and uh, put this material forward you know well it's great that you're here right now and now is, is the best time to do it are there things that you guys are working on that we should be aware of like what's coming from you guys in the next couple of months uh, let's see. Well, we've got Vampire Hunter D. Um, that's wow. that's epic. Uh, we got Vampire Hunter D on the strength of our other staff. Wow. Um, it's kind of like one of the, the the huge honors of you know of our uh, um, our young company's life. Um, so that's that's a big deal. And we've got Brandon Easton um, from Civil War Asian Carters writing it. Michael Broussard is doing the art. And uh, Jay Lee does the variants. We have Agnes Barbowska doing variants. Uh, um, uh, Ashley A. Woods from Nairobi doing variants, and Christopher Shai. Um, so that that's amazing. That's our that's our big, you know, giant legacy project, which kind of you know puts us in a suddenly puts our little company in a bigger bigger bracket. Um, the Untamed Killing Floor. You want to check for that. We are going to do for the Niobe fans a Kickstarter. Um, and I know at times that sounds like a bad word, but it really is an opportunity for going to be for folks to pre-order the graphic novel special edition for a discounted price and obviously all sorts of other kind of gifts and goodies that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Um, and we'll, you know, um, so we'll do that with Amanda and, uh, yeah, so it's just like pre-ordering from Amazon or a bookstore, mm-hmm. um, but at a discount and with a whole bunch of 
fun stuff thrown in. So that, that's going to be exciting. Can I jump um, in and tell you something real quick? I read yeah. an article someplace where somebody was saying that Marvel was like the number one, but if you actually totaled up all the Kickstarter comics mm. that are made through there, they're actually the second, wow. the, the number two uh, producer of comics. And, you know, some people dispute all that and stuff. But the fact that it even gets mentioned to me is a sign that Kickstarter, you, you call it might be a bad word, but I, I know a lot of people who only buy comics through Kickstarter. Wow, yeah, well, I, that when we did The Untamed, we finished The Untamed, mm-hmm. we did a Kickstarter for the graphic novel, and people uh, flooded to it, and it was really well received, mm-hmm. um, and then we did a, then the film studio for Vampire Hunter D, they did a Kickstarter for the first issue of the comic, and obviously we were a big part of that, and that actually broke, I think, Kickstarter record for the wow. highest, highest amount for a single issue, but... Wow, congratulations. Thank you. No, it's a huge deal. But I think I think for the Niobe fans, it's going to be extra special because I get so like like you not being able to find issue one. I get so many people emailing and sending me messages. I can't find issue one. I can't find Niobe. I don't want to read it digital. I, I want this or I want to read all four in one go. Mm-hmm. My store will, and, and some people say my store will just just tell me they will not carry Niobe. <laughs> you know, um, so. That I think is going to be just a great opportunity to allow people <laughs> to just get get the book at a at a discounted right mm-hmm. play you know way with uh, all sorts of extra bonus trimmings and goodies and more that, and more info to the world. Do you know when that's going to start? If we're looking. I'm going to start that in November. If it doesn't do November, we're going to wait till February after the holidays. But okay. um, my goal is for November. Okay, very good. Anything else that we should know about? Um, check out my kids' books. I've got kids' books. Um, I do with Gus Elbove and Halle Berry and uh, Angie Hong. We have a series called the I Am Book Series mm-hmm. for parents out there. One is called I Am Mix, Celebration of All Cultures. Mm-hmm. We have I Am Living in Two Homes for kids out there with separation and divorce. Mm-hmm. I Am Awesome, How to Be Brave and Not Give Up and Be a Good Friend, and that's for the kiddos. And then we will be hitting you with um, more Kamoa, The Rise of the Jade Lord, which is actually one of the main villains in the Niobe Shears life. Uh, and it'll feature Niobe when she was an infant. Um, so all sorts of m- much more Asunder titles and more kids' books as well. I've got one coming out called Silent Night, um, spelled with a K. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just stay, uh, just stay. Oh, and then definitely, yeah, pick up the Untamed Killing Floor. That's, that's going to be a goodie. And then lots of other stuff set in Asunder. Just, mm-hmm. just keep an eye on Stranger Comics. Now, you have a website, and of course, it's called StrangerComics.com. I do. And you're on Facebook, too, right? And also, are you on Twitter as well? We're on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, all with the at Stranger Comics, um, you know, way to find us. And our Stranger Comics website is actually in the process of getting updated, but it should be updated by Monday and mobile-friendly and looking a lot cleaner and user-friendly by Monday next week. Great, great. Well, you know, Sebastian, you're doing a wonderful stuff and a, and a terrific job, I think. You're, Thank you're, you. You're part of the, the, the pie of the whole comics industry. I think it's going to only enlarge as time goes along as you meet the needs that, that a lot of people are having for different kinds of stories and different kinds of characters that are good and, and, and well thought out and stuff. So, man, keep it up, Sebastian. And Thank you. And hope we get to talk with you again because this is a lot of fun to talk with you. Thanks, Wayne. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I guess I will see you in New York. Thank you very much. We'll look forward to it. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, 
I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Next time, be here for episode 250 with our special guest, Neil Adams, who I'm sure you're going to want to listen to. But until then, keep reading your comics. credit card bill.